We're going to continue in our, uh, our sermon series. We just started Ephesians. And one of the main things I want you to be thinking through, and this is tough for us with our sinful nature and our selfish nature. I want us to continue to think God-centered. So that's what the book of Ephesians is trying to switch the gears of our mind, the gears of our life, the trajectory of our life, and trying to get us to realize that this is all about Jesus, this is all about God, from our salvation to our redemption to our life's purpose to even God's will for our life. It's about Jesus, it's not about us. This is so crucial. And we think, when we first hear those words sometimes, we think that's about taking something away from us. Oh, don't take that away from me. But the truth is, when we learn to walk in a God-centered faith, in a God-centered understanding of the gospel, in a God-centered understanding of salvation, our lives are more fulfilled and more satisfied. When we are selfish and we have a myopic view of life and everyone else, our lives are secretly miserable. Some of us are secretly miserable because we are so selfish. Now, we all are selfish, right, to a degree. But when we live our lives selfishly, when we think about ourselves 99% of the time, when 99% of our actions are for ourselves, we are miserably, secretly, and openly many times. Because we were created to function like that. We were created to exalt and worship God and to love others, to live in perfect community with the Trinity, with the one and only God, and with each other. So my favorite movies have become kids' movies. When you have kids, the big hits become Big Hero 6, The Croods, for me personally. And the ones you want to bring your kids back to re uh, watch with them, you just get excited, like, when I could bring my kids back to see Ninja Turtles 1990, that was a big day in my life. That's one of the reasons I had kids was to watch Ninja Turtles 1990. Right? So one of my buddies asked me the other day, what movies are you looking forward to? And I think he was looking for like Terminator 8, I was going to say in the summer like that. I said, to be honest, I can't wait for Kung Fu Panda 3 and Hotel Transylvania 2. I'm really looking for I can't wait. So one of the new hits in my house is Big Hero 6. I don't know if you saw it. But it's a great movie. It's a fantastically made movie. It's great storytelling. It has great characters. And so me and my daughters and my wife, we all went to see the movie. And then me and my, my girls watched the movie again. <clears throat> and there's different characters in this movie. You got Hero. He's the one who can seem, if you don't look closely, he seems like the center, could be the center of the story and what the story is all about. Then you got Baymax, right? Who doesn't love Baymax? When Baymax went down, if you didn't have an emotional problem at that moment and almost cry, you need to work through some stuff in your life. You got Baymax. Maybe Baymax is the center story. Or maybe you got personal favorites like my daughter, like Gogo and Wasabi and Fred and Honey Lemon. I can't believe I remember them all. But they have their personal favorites. So we're watching this movie, and it hits me. The hero of this movie is not who you think the hero is. And the plan of the movie is much different than what people think, the ultimate plan. The hero of the story is Tadashi, for those who saw Big Hero 6. Tadashi is the big brother, and I'm sorry I can't give you the whole narrative about Big Hero 6. We'll be here on Monday morning. 
But you'll understand a little more when I tell you about Tadashi. Tadashi is the big brother who's in the beginning of the story. Tadashi's life goal and his mission and his plan is to create Baymax to care for people, to be a personal care bubble guy for people. And he gives and he tries over and over. And his plan is that Baymax, there'll be a Baymax for everybody. And Baymax will impact the world and change the world. But once that happens with Tadashi is, Tadashi gives his life trying to save someone. So everyone forgets about Tadashi. So you get caught up in the first 20 minutes, like Tadashi's a big part. Then he gives his life. You forget about Tadashi. And the movie goes on. You see Hero giving up breaks, the Baymax, and all these people doing what you think are great things. And if you don't look carefully, I said to my girls when it hit me, do you know what? We're missing who the hero of this story is. It's Tadashi. It can't be Baymax because Tadashi created Baymax. And there's no way something created is better than the creator. It can't be Hero because Tadashi gave Hero hope. Hero didn't even want to live anymore to Tadashi. He looked back at what Tadashi said, and this is why I made Baymax. So we gave him the inspiration to live on. And all his friends and team were part of Big Hero 6. Now, the reason I tell you this, this, uh, Kids movie, it because it has relevance. It really does. Because in a big grand way, we look at our lives and we think it's about us. We really, we miss it. Or we think it's about our kids, right? It's got to be about kids. I'm going to live a kid-centered life. My kids are the reason I'm alive. Now, kids are good. Have kids. Love kids. I did the same. We think it's about so many other things because we can't see Jesus, Right? Jesus, every day of your life, every breath you take, the reason you were made to, is to exalt Jesus, to be a worshiper of God. And when you think that you're the center of the movie, when you think the story's about you, you're going to be unsatisfied because you're not functioning the way you should function, and that brings dissatisfaction in your life. You know, I remember when I first became an electrician, I just took a spiritual test. They made me take it for something I was doing, like one of my gifts were. And guess what I scored last on? Being a craftsman. Good thing I'm in the electrical field. So last was craftsman, leading was evangelist, pastor. Those kind of things led the, the thing. But the last thing was a craftsman. So when I first started doing electrical, I was using tools all wrong. I had to wire a whole church for me and my wife to get married in it, right? I used a pair of pliers, and I banged in every staple for every wire. I said, this looks right tool, right? And I had to ninja hit every... Every staple in. It took me so much long and brought so much frustration. A contractor walked by me and said, what are you doing? That's not how pliers. Use a hammer. Pliers aren't supposed to meant to be used like that. You're going to be frustrated. It's going to take forever. And it hit me. Why the heck am I using pliers for a hammer's job? It's the same way when you live your life for yourself. To exalt yourself. And to just fulfill yourself outside of God. You will be frustrated because you weren't made for that. You guys hear me on that? Okay. I hope today that you see God's ultimate plan. This is one of the most important scriptures in the Bible. This shows you your purpose, everyone's purpose. The central plan of creation in history is that we all worship and magnify and exalt Jesus as the Redeemer. You were redeemed so that you would in turn worship the Redeemer. I can't tell you how many people I talk to are depressed, who are anxious, who feel lonely because they feel like they have no purpose in their life. Have you guys run into that? And that's not only people who aren't believers. 
Because when we, some people who even have faith in Jesus become incredibly, they feel like they have no purpose because they've misunderstood religion. They've misunderstood faith in Jesus and they thought God was made for them and they weren't made for God. Do you guys hear me there? We can have a me-focused center on religion. Our songs can do that. Our message can do it. We can change our whole faith to about us. And when we do that, we have no purpose. How many people I've seen and heard taking their life because they said, i got no purpose? How many people in depression got no purpose? And many times they cannot see beyond themselves. And they're going through so much turmoil. I wish I could just tell them, or the people in life could tell them, it is not about you, and they could be free. Because we're caged when we think it's about us. And the truth is, if you don't have faith in Jesus, you should be depressed. If you don't have faith in Jesus, no purpose in life, you should be anxious. Like people say, don't be anxious. If you don't have a purpose and you're not worshiping God, you should be tremendously anxious. We're always trying to relieve people of stuff like they should. I'll get to that later. You should be anxious. Like when I'm talking to people that don't know their purpose, have no faith in God, their feelings are right. Their feelings are right. Because we were meant to worship God. And when we're taught that a secular atheistic view, which many people believe that this world, that our creation is some unintentional random act that we're here, everyone should be depressed, everyone should be anxious, everyone should be in despair. But when you hear the purpose, of all creation, of all history, there should be much hope, much purpose, and much joy in your life. So this is the scripture that should, if you've not already heard it, it should change your world. It should reorganize your thinking. This is the whole purpose of everything. I remember when I was younger, there was a song like, I'm going to be a history maker in this land. And I remember I never liked it. I, I never liked it even though it was so catchy. I'd be like, I want to sing it, but I don't want to. I never liked it because it puts us at the center. Who's a history maker? Come on. Jesus is the history maker. He lets other guys who aren't really heroes play in that story. And when you really examine their life, they're not heroes. Like I heard a preacher say the other day, there are no heroes in the Bible. Stop telling people there's heroes. There's guys who are absolute messes that God chooses to save and use for his glory. Right? A history maker. I want to leave a legacy. Your legacy is horrible. We're sinners saved by grace. That's your legacy. I used to crack up when I watched old reformers on their graves. And these dudes, I thought they were down. It would just say, pitiful sinner saved by grace. These guys didn't play around. Scum used for God. I was like, these dudes need to cheer up, man. You know, come on, brother. They got it. They got it. They realized there was nothing in them. Well, they were history makers. The only history maker chose to use him in their redemptive story. They're not the center. And they never got over that. We should never get over that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's just something to blow your mind every single day. Here's the scripture. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. That's the reason for everything. That's the reason you were created. That's the reason I was created. That all things would come together in Jesus. 
He would be the hero. That's the central plan. That's the goal of everything. So here this is. He would be the one that earth was created through, the one who redemption was offered through, the one who was lifted up as king, the one in which every knee would bow and every tongue confess and honor and worship Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's not about you. It's not about me. But the joy that we get to be one of the people and the people who are bowing our knees and exalting the one who truly deserves it is worth living for. That's what it's all about. Jesus will destroy all chaos. Jesus will destroy all evil. Jesus will govern with a perfect government. Jesus will restore all things. Jesus will make it stop snowing. All those things. I was hoping for an amen. I was trying to lighten it up. It got, it got heavy in here. When I told you it wasn't about you, people were like, don't you dare. But all of creation yearns for the redemption that comes only through Jesus. And that's the best news you could ever hear. Jesus is the center of the plan. This brings meaning to his suffering and to our suffering. This brings meaning to his joy and our joy. This brings clarity to a confused world where we don't have to live with a joker mentality. Anyone look up um, characters in the Marvel Universe like me when you're just trying to forget the world? Sometimes I look up characters in the Marvel Universe because I like the backstory. I know it's not real, but it helps me just forget about stress and that stuff sometimes. The Joker's mentality, who is the number one criminal, right? His mentality that nothing has purpose and there's no clarity and there's no meaning in everything. So he says, I'm just going to contribute to the chaos and everything. We should not have a Joker mentality. We should have a clear purpose in our life. We should have a clear understanding of what we're here for. It should be fully clear. The purpose of every day of our life is to bring glory to Jesus. And the joy, the most joy we find every day is that we get to bring glory to Jesus. He has redeemed us. He has blessed us so in turn we might redeem him. That's the why we're here. That's the why of all creation. No, that's the what. Let me tell you the why he did it. God redeemed us so we could bless him. Some say, that's it. we serve a selfish God. It's kind of selfish. God did this for his purpose. Which one of you, everyone who's had a kid, had a kid for that kid's purpose? You know it's true. When you decided to have a kid, you said, this kid's going to bring me so much joy. You said, this kid's going to bring honor into my life, love, and all these kind of things. We had kids for our purpose. Right? Now, in turn, we want our kids to be happy. We want them to have joy. We want to give them good things. But I didn't have Talia, so Talia could forget me. I want to have the most selfish kid in the universe. I can't wait. Hope she doesn't pay attention to me. No. We have kids for our purpose, for our joy, for our satisfaction. God made us and redeemed us so we could in turn bless and worship him. And I want you to see this. Let's change the perspective. This is so important. Just in Ephesians 1, I want you to see God's action. Because we got some wrong language in our understanding of the gospel. I did this, and I got this person saved, and I prayed for them. They wouldn't be saved unless I did that. Come on. God's action, just in the first Ephesians 1, it says, God has blessed us. 
He chose us to be holy and blameless. He predestined us. He adopted us. In him we have redemption, forgiveness that he lavished on us. He made known to us the will of God. God has incorporated us through his actions to be part of his redeemed people. It's all his action. All of life is a language of response. When we pray, how many people wrongly believe that they're initiating a conversation with God? I'm going to start a conversation. No, you're not. All prayer is a response language. God has poured his love out on you through the cross of Jesus Christ and anything we say in response to his love and his action every day. Whether it comes salvation, we go over and over again. All our language is because he redeemed us first. And sorry I'm using so many electrical analogies today. But I needed God to redeem an arena of my life. We have different arenas, right? When I, I told this story many times, but I just want to tell it, I feel I should. I was so lazy when God saved me. I was so lazy and I knew it. I knew my father was lazy. I knew I had it in my gene pool. You know when you feel it? Like, man, I'm ah! Something's in your gene pool and you're like, man, it's got to be redeemed. And I'm going to get on my knees and saying, God, you have to sanctify me in this place, in this arena of my life. I'm not going to be able to glorify you rightly because I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lazy. God, by his grace, sent a man into my life who lavished all kinds of grace on me in my life. Like I didn't ask him for a job. He came up to me and said, I'm going to give you a job. I was like, someone's giving me a job. Let's do this. I was such a knucklehead. 19 years old, I walk into the factory where we're working. It was all uh, industrial electrical work. No tools. No tools. It didn't cross my mind. I'm going to to crush and fail. You should bring a screwdriver. I'm like, a job. Got a job. The boss walks by me before all the guys in the shop can see me and drops a set of hand tools in my pocket and just walks away. Pliers, screwdriver, all the stuff you need. Electrical field. I'm like, yes. He quickly realized if he hadn't before, I had no idea what I was doing. I literally would have trouble. Lefty, righty, tighty. Like, I couldn't work through those things. When you come out of the, the confusion and they throw you into an organized world, you're like, what? I don't know. And so he decided he was going to put me in the mechanical room until I could function a little bit. And he just he said, just organize the nuts and bolts. Organize these nuts and bolts on these trays. So I sat there all day. Next day, just cut the cardboard. Put this cardboard down for the, the threader. Just do that. I did, everything I did was wrong. It made no sense. So everyone come in, what was that? Why didn't you do this? Like, it's giant. Bought me a car. Bought me a car. Because I never saved my money. That check came on Friday. I was like, who wants to go out? Can I buy you some? Can I buy me some? Let's waste money everywhere. Buy me a car. They started calling me Jimmy's boy in the shop because everyone saw the favor he was showing me. It goes Jimmy's boy. I was the worst. Once again, I'm not a gifted craftsman. Only reason I last in business because I'm good relationally. I've used all my pastoral gifts to last in business. That's what happened. Everyone loves me. And like, oh, he's great, he cares, he's faithful, he listens to me. I'm like, I put a recessed light in for him. You know what I mean? And I always knew God convicted me, so I, I did the jobs the best I could. 
And he always brought people along to help me. I do good work. Don't get me wrong. It's just hard. It doesn't come natural to me in electrical sales. I say all that to say the wrong response of me would have come say, look at all I did to become an electrician. No, I would not be incorporated into the trade family if this man didn't take action to lavish grace upon my life. And he incorporated that family and helped redeem and sanctify an arena that was so vital to me to live as a healthy and God-glorifying Christian. It was huge for me. And so what happens to me now? Every time I talk about Jimmy, I talk about with gratitude, with thanks. In a much grander way, how much grace has God lavished on all of us? So it causes us to respond with worship today. What are we here to do today? We're here to worship. Everything we do, like I've heard people say, the preacher's main job is to exalt Jesus even when he's preaching. It's an act of worship. When we take communion, it's an act of worship. When we sing a song, it's an act of worship. Now singing is, people think just singing is worship. That's a facet of worshiping where we get to lift our voice. Our whole lives should be worship. From working to caring for people to lifting our voices. That is all worship unto God. And we bless God because he has redeemed us. Now, a few weeks ago, I was watching, I was slipping through the channels, I was channel surfing, and I saw this, like, you know when they have those self-help seminars, like people sign and they pay up and you see, like, you know, they got the right lights behind them and all this stuff going on, you know it's a self-help thing. And she was talking about anxiety, so I said, I have to stop and listen to this, right? And the lady said, listen, she said, one of the root things of anxiety is guilt and shame. <clears throat> and I'm paraphrasing here. And she went on to teach people, just let go of your guilt and just let go of your shame. Like it was a casual thing. Just let go of it. Let go of your guilt. Let go of your shame. Don't be ashamed. That is false teaching. Because our guilt and shame has to be dealt with. We feel guilty when we're guilty and we feel ashamed when we're doing shameful things. Too many times in our lives we tell people not to feel ways they should feel. Too many times. Don't feel guilty. You just robbed someone's house. Feel guilty. Don't feel ashamed. That stuff you're doing is shameful. You should feel ashamed. It's the spiritual equivalent for a condition called CIPA. It's a rare genetic disease which you don't feel pain. And so you might think that's a good thing. Talk to the parents of a child who has CIPA. They say this is not a good thing. My child could drink a cup of scalding hot water, think everything's okay, and it destroys her internally. She can have a cut and not know it on the playground and just bleed out. Do you guys hear me? Pain has a purpose. Some of us are feeling guilty because we should feel guilty, and some of us are feeling shame because we should feel ashamed. The beautiful thing is God chose to redeem us through the work of Jesus so we don't have to live in guilt and shame and condemnation anymore. So when God redeems you, and this is important to understand the definition of redemption, so in the agricultural system back then, they had human slavery. So the slaves, in order for the slave to be free from bondage, you'd have to pay a purchase price. Someone would have to pay a purchase price, then that person was free from bondage. We were in bondage to sin. We were in bondage to death. 
a purchase price had to be paid in the spiritual and physical realm in order to pay the consequences of the sins me and you have committed. No one can say, just don't feel guilty. No one can say, your sins are forgiven. No one can say, don't be ashamed unless Christ died for our sins. You guys hear me? Sin is not a cheap thing that people can just get on TV and say, forget about it. The Son of God laid down His life so that our sin could be cast as far as the east is from the west. A major cosmic price was paid, a purchase price, so that me and you could be redeemed. Don't take it lightly. So what happens to our guilt? Our guilt now gets turned into conviction. Conviction is good. Paul said, don't live in condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ. I don't want you to live in guilt. But if you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, conviction does a beautiful thing. Conviction leads to repentance. Repentance then does a beautiful thing in turn. It's a gift. It leads to forgiveness. Forgiveness leads to redemption. Redemption leads to exaltation of the one who has redeemed you. Do you guys see that pattern there? I don't want you guys living in guilt and shame. But now the Holy Spirit, through the work of Christ, has redeemed us. And even when we do something wrong, it leads to a sanctifying work that glorifies God. Now, it is so important for us to hear this. I want to make sure I don't. Because it's a gradual and like, we're talking about some major things here. Like, we're getting in, in a, in a month, we're going to be talking about that God chose us for salvation through his free grace. These are beautiful, big concepts. God chose us before the foundation of the world. God chose to redeem us for his glory. These are big things. What happens is when you first start following Jesus, you're just excited Jesus saved you. I'm saved. There's a God. He has a son. He died for me. Holy Spirit and Silas, do this. Right? Like, it's all just so simple. Give me the baby food, put the bananas in, like, just give me that. But what happens is, God starts unveiling through his revelation more deeper things of the why and the what and the who in our life, and it's deep, it, it, it's steak dinner. So when the Old Testament, when the covenant people of God were sacrificing animals, they had a partial revelation of God that he needed to sacrifice because blood was demanded for sin for justice, in order for the people to be reconciled with God. they had That was a partial revelation. They didn't understand that God would send his own son as the lamb of God to die for our sins as the final sacrifice. So many times we get revealed truths and we need deeper revelation. We need the layers unpeeled for us to fully understand more about God and the gospel. And that's what's happening here. And this is what's going to happen all through Ephesians. It's going to give you a more... God-centered view, and it's going to cause you even more to glorify and honor and worship your God with everything you are. So I know it's a common problem to us not for us not to feel forgiven for our sins. And so this is what I want to do. One of the beautiful things I get to do as a pastor through the scriptures under authority of Jesus is say you are forgiven. Some of you are carrying an unhealthy weight of a past sin, and you can't forgive yourself. You, you, you don't think Jesus redeemed that sin or redeemed your life. Please hear me today. You are forgiven and you are redeemed. It is forgotten. Do you guys hear me? That price has been paid. 
Don't let it keep you up at night. Don't let it shape your personality. Don't let it shape the central conversation and the thoughts of your mind. You are forgiven and redeemed. That is truth. That's what Jesus did. No more guilt and shame for those who are in Christ. Do you guys hear me? Those sins you haven't even told anyone about, that live in the corner of your conscience, and you say, I can't be forgiven for this. You are absolutely forgiven because of Jesus. Amen? You are forgiven. You are redeemed because you've been chosen for redemption. Secondly, don't carry the weight of a trespass against God because Jesus carried all the weight on the cross. That's what redemption is. Totally free from bondage, totally free from sin. A free man acts differently than a man in bondage. You are liberated in Christ. Live out that freedom. Live the gospel. That's what redemption is. Also, sometimes we wrongly interpret that scripture that Jesus has united all things in him. What we unknowingly hear is Jesus united all things in me. And let me let me talk about how this plays out because this is so crucial. It's in our language like we talked about. Like I hear people say the language, if that person didn't share the gospel with me, I wouldn't be saved. I understand the sentiment behind it. I understand that. But if that person didn't share the gospel, Jesus would have took action to cause another person to share the gospel with you. Do you guys hear me? Imagine the gospel and you getting saved was based on that one person. What if they didn't eat right? What if they didn't look both ways when they cross the street? That is absolutely crazy talk. And I understand how sentimental. And we're thankful for the people who share the gospel with us. We honor them. But Jesus would have got you anyways. How about if that person didn't pray for me, I would never come to church like we talked about. Imagine your salvation and your incorporation of the community of God was based on someone, a human being's prayer for you. Thank God they prayed according to God's grace and response. But God would have had someone else pray for you. Because God gets all the glory, no man. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? And I understand the sentiment. If some of us said it, I, I probably said it in my past too. Because we're thankful and we're honoring. But there's not going to be one man boasting in heaven. There's not going to be one person boasting of that work. Secondly, do not put an unhealthy weight on your shoulders when someone re rejects Jesus and lives according to their own authority in your life. This is so important for pastors and for people sharing the gospel. There's some people you share the gospel with in your life and they totally reject Jesus. That's tough to deal with, isn't it? Someone you spent time with, you discipled, you taught what is holy and what is right, and you've loved them and cared for them, and all of a sudden they act like nothing was shown to them, and they act like Jesus isn't the Savior of their life. I free you from a Messiah complex. You can't save a soul. That shouldn't be despair. That should be awesome. I can't. He's right. I knew it deep down. Right? We know it deep down that we can't save a soul. But what we can do is give the effective calling and Jesus saves souls. How much more encouraging is that? Imagine the salvation of New England and the salvation of people in Massachusetts, the salvation of people in greater Boston depended on us. God doesn't need us. That's, he's self-sufficient. What God does is allow us to be part of the plan of redemption. And how glorious and how joyful is that? That lifts a huge weight off your shoulder. It used to depress me, depress me so much. Like when you're discipling something, someone, and then you see them on Facebook, they post a picture at the strip joint, join it all. And you're like, what? 
I just sat down with this brother. Huh? Like I'd be like, there's something wrong. I should have said something different. If I only loved him, I knew I should have gone another book. No. That person has rejected Jesus. And if you want to be on Jesus' team, they're going to reject you too. Because we can't save a soul. Be free from a Messiah complex. Still share the gospel. Still love people. Still disciple. But don't let your identity and your emotions be affected when people reject Jesus and choose to walk according to their own ways. There's freedom in not being the Messiah. Also, you don't have to be the center of attention. Is that awesome in this culture where everyone's fighting to be the center of attention? A lot of people's main goal is, I'm going to live be the center of attention. Listen, there were times in my life where unknowingly and sometimes knowingly, I felt like I had to be a center of attention. And if I wasn't the center of attention, there's something wrong with me. What I started to do, how do I reshape my life so I can be the center of attention? You know, I was watching, I was uh, reading psychological disorders last night, and they talked about the, all the psychological disorders that have to be with people who need attention 24-7. Because somehow they said, all the things united in me, meaning they want everyone's attention to be on them, and all, everyone's attention should be on Jesus. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? There's people in different circles who do different things, cause dramatic events, do different things, so they all become all things united in me. I need to be the center of attention. I want to free you. You don't have to be the center of attention. You will not live a fulfilling life if you're fighting to be the center of attention in your circles. Amen? Freedom, freedom, freedom. Some of the most unsatisfied people are the people who have to be the center of attention. Our voices were made to exalt Jesus. Our hands were made to clap for the king. Our lives were given, our breath was given to live for God's glory. No man's. And there's so much freedom in that. So hear the freedom in that. You do not have to be the center of attention because you are loved by God. You are not the pivotal piece of history. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? There's so much freedom. And finally, Restoration Road. Live as part of the story. Live as part of the ultimate plan. Be thankful, like I said to someone earlier, and I've been saying it all the last few weeks. I know I keep saying it. If I can be a doorkeeper in the house of God, how blessed am I? How blessed am I? Like, I think even today, I'm like, this is amazing. I get to be part of a church with you guys. Like, really? Me? I get to be part of the story to exalt the only one who's worth exalting? Me? My my tombstone, you don't even want to know what should be said on my tombstone. Right? But Jesus chooses to allow us to live our lives for the only thing that's worth living for. And that's unbelievable that we get to be one of the people and the people of God who worship the one who has redeemed us. Live your life's blessing and worship him. Amen.